Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. We haven't done a football podcast in a while. We had a great signing day one. Uh, we've weighed in a little bit on football. Uh, I know basketball is is front and center right now, Joey. We got a lot going on with basketball with Terrence Shannon and his uh, TRO case. We got two big games with Michigan State and Maryland. But I figured let's talk some football. Um, I need to because uh, I'm already in the offseason with my NFL team. Meanwhile, you have a third straight franchise quarterback. Congratulations on that. 31 seconds it took Jeremy Warner to bring up that. I am so jealous of you. I like I, I just want you to appreciate your football fandom that you have two of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and I'm sure you're happy you don't have the one guy and have to deal with that headache right now. But um, you have another one. It's just you guys have them. They're just here. They sit around for a while, and then you, you put them in, and, and they look fantastic. So congratulations on having a, a real NFL organization with quarterbacks. Yeah, I got to say, I looked pretty dumb in November where I was like, well, this is over. This is stupid. I don't know what to do when this team's bad in November. And they were bad. Like, that's the reality. They were not a good team in November. And, and Jordan Love was really great. No, he wasn't. And he really turned it on. I really like the young wide receiver group and their tight end group. I mean, okay. there's – yeah, there's – and look, when they took Dontavian Wicks, my brain went to 2022 when I saw him. And then I kind of forgot how good he was in 2021 when we saw him in person. Uh, he, he looks really good. It's just exciting, right? Like, I get it. And uh, like in our group chats, you and our friend Derek Piper, I think, like, are, are being nice, but you're kindly telling me to get lost. And, and that's fine. Like, I understand that. I don't expect this to go much past Sunday, but I'm going to have a hell of a fun time speeding from the State Farm Center to my apartment <laughs> Sunday. Your rebuilding year is getting into the playoffs at 9 and 8. That's That's got to be fun. It's got to be fun. It's fun, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you and be like, oh, well, whatever. Dude, yeah, it's fun. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, we want to talk Illinois football, of course, and we'll weigh in on the offseason, our plan here. We're going to grade how they've kind of filled their transfer needs so far. They've added five transfer additions so far. We're going to rank their top remaining needs in the transfer portal um, that they could add during the spring or maybe late here. Um, but Illinois is reporting next week, uh, all the early enrollee freshmen, and there's a lot of them, about a dozen, uh, along with some JUCO guys, along with the transfer portal guys. Uh, and then we'll take some listener-submitted questions. we got some really good ones. Uh, so we'll get to all of that coming up here, Joey. I think one thing we should address is, so far, 
And I do want to caution people, January often can be a time where there are more coaching changes. But so far, Brett Bielma has not made any coaching changes, which, to be honest, Joey, like after a disappointing season is a little bit of a surprise, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I always thought Aaron Henry was going to get multiple years here. I know that's what most people talk, talk, kind of point towards because, hey, his first year as defense coordinator was a disappointment. Um, but just your thoughts on Brett Bielma kind of staying with continuity so far that we know of. Yeah, so far, um, I didn't get the sense in his postseason, that first presser he did like three or four days after the Northwestern game that he was going to – make any moves but look i mean the cycle moves a lot like there's so much movement in the coaching cycle especially at this time of the year like a lot of the head coaching jobs have been filled out obviously and we see that but now you're building staffs right and there's promotions and demotions and all sorts of of movement there so we'll see i mean this thing until we see the coaches on the sidelines at spring ball with their position groups like you just have to assume that there's a chance movement can happen we'll see We'll see if that plays out with Illinois, but I think what we've seen so far is this wasn't Brett Bielema seeing what happened, especially defensively, and making immediate changes, right? So if anything happens, it's either a poaching situation or maybe, I don't know, like I, that's probably the, the thing that comes to my mind first and foremost. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I never thought that one year after changing almost half his staff because of Purdue and Ryan Walters and, and all those guys leaving, I never thought this would be like, oh, we're going to change another. We're going to do four more new assistants. He values but, continuity too much. Yeah, and I think you have to build some of that in a program. And just like a roster, if you're turning over a lot of your coaching staff every year, um, unless you're just losing guys because they're getting promoted elsewhere, that that, that can be a struggle, right? That, that can really be a struggle. And I, I do think you want to hear – you want players mostly to hear from the same guy. Now, Brett Bielma will make moves, right? Like he moved off Tony Peterson after one year, uh, which was a little shocking because it was after just one year. But I think Brett Bielma knows this is a, a really important year. So if he feels like I can make an improvement at a specific position or I need a new voice, say on the defensive side of the ball, I, I can see him uh, doing something like that. But we'll wait and see. But this is uh, convention week for, for the coaches. Uh, after the national championship game. So you get to talk to a lot of people, the recruiting staff, they have Nate McNeil to replace as he takes over uh, the Syracuse recruiting department there. Congratulations to Nate. Who's worked under Pat Hamilton uh, for the last several years and worked in the Illini recruiting department for Lovey Smith, a Chicago native really helped with guys like Tyshawn Griffin and, and Malik Elzey. who was just a really good presence in that room. So they got one of those to replace. Uh, so that's worth noticing on uh, noting five transfer editions so far, Joey, um, right now, 48th in the country in transfer portal rankings. I will note this. The average star rating is seventh among 18 Big Ten teams. I, I would note that if you're if you're an Illini fan worried about the transfer portal, Illinois maybe not adding as many. We'll get into what they've lost or haven't lost. But I do think the quality that, that, that they've added is, is pretty good so far. I mean, all of these guys that they have added – to my now, I mean, I don't know exactly Anetchi Sledge's uh, entire Ross uh, entire offer sheet, but he was a you know highly rated recruit going to Auburn. All these guys had other Power Five options, so uh, I think they've done a pretty good job quality wise in the transfer portal. I think this is quality wise guys who you think can definitely step in, plug and play. I think this is Brett Bielma's best haul so far, and, and I think they're going to add more, whether it's this week or after the spring ball. 
Yeah, this is they went out and they, they got five guys who we think are either going to start or be like making a real battle throughout training camp to start. Um, Sledge would be the guy who I would say I, I don't know to this point, but an Anthony Johnson, a Cole Rusk, a JC Davis, a Kevin Wigginton, those guys are guys you would think are going to be really, really in heavy competition for that starting spot. And I would probably, I mean, with especially JC Davis, I would say <laughs> you got your starting left tackle. Like, I could see all those guys starting. I would almost expect that to be the case with, with who they've added so far. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a different approach outside of quarterback, right? Like, when we say this, we have to take out the quarterback factor of it because they went out and got Tommy DeVito, Art Sikowski, Luke Altmeyer. Uh, so, outside of that, like, this is the most plug-and-play transfer class in Brett Bielema's three full cycles, I believe. Because um, you think back to that first one, like a Prather Hudson, Jafar Armstrong – Chase Hayden, um, I know I'm missing Eddie Smith. Eddie Smith was in that conversation. He was the class before, I believe. I thought he was in that. No, I I was sure he was in that 21 Brett's first offseason class. He was. He was. Alec Bryant uh, was added late. Chase Mm -hmm. Hayden, Max Rosenthal, Jafar Armstrong, CJ Hart, Vadovanak, Jeff Vadovanak. Good addition. (laughs) Good addition. Art Sikowski ended up being a really good addition, even if it's you know backup quarterback and now a staff member. And hey, so did Max Rosenthal for that for that matter. Eddie Smith as well, and then you go to the 2022 transfer class. Like there weren't like stars there, right? Like CJ Hart made a one game impact. Um, Cody Case, Jonah Morris, Dylan Davis, Terrell Jennings, Rashawn Wilkins, T. Rod Edwards, solid addition. Tommy DeVito, a home run, right? Um, the quarterbacks they've they've done really well. And then this last year, you look at it, and you had obviously Luke Altmeyer was a huge addition. Demetrius Hill gets hurt. Clayton Bush, solid impact. John Paddock, home run, <laughs> given that he was a walk on. Denzel Daxon, a double or a triple right there, right? Uh, Tanner Arkin made an impact later on in the season. Dakario Harper made an okay impact along with Clayton Bush. That was a solid transfer class. But I, I think this one with JC Davis and Kevin Wigginson, I would be shocked if they're not starters at left tackle and probably right guard or left guard. Um, Anthony Johnson would be shocked if he's not a starter. And Nechi Sledge, like, I would imagine he is going to be in the rotation at nose tackle along with T-Rot Edwards. Maybe Jeremiah Warren is in that mix. Cole Rusk, I'd be shocked if he is not a top-two guy in that tight end rotation. Yeah, and so, like, quickly, we, we didn't talk about this, so sorry to put – like, what do you take from what you've seen from that first year, which – I don't want to wipe out that first, that 21 year, but that, I mean, that's just a weird, that was a weird time coming out of COVID, but it looks like, especially this year, Brett Bielema has used the portal to fill immediate needs. Like this has gone less from an eraser to erase recruiting mistakes in the depth department and more from get impact guys in here immediately, or at least potential starters. I'd rather say potential starters than impact guys. I thought we had pretty high expectations for that first class. Like Chase Hayden could be a top two running back along with uh, Chase Brown at the time. CJ Hart was obviously a starter before he got hurt. Um, and so, really turned into a nice rotation guy the following year, or a solid rotation guy. Yeah. Eddie Smith I had higher expectations for, right? Um, Sikowski was a phenomenal addition, in, in my opinion, um, as, as a backup quarterback at the time competing uh, with Brandon Peters. But you know, Bedovinak was okay as a starter, but Prather Hudson, Max Rosenthal, even Chase Hayden probably turned into more, and Art Sikowski were probably more program guys. I think he wanted to set uh, a standard with, in the culture. And I think we can all admit, like, they've raised the bar, 
and in the culture and um, the work ethic, like they got that. They just need to keep adding talent to it. They need to keep putting these guys in best positions to succeed. So I feel like this one though, they needed to get more plug and play guys. You didn't have Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams all coming back. You had to fill those spots and we'll get into it. Like defensive line, they've still gotten worse because they've lost Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and Denzel Daxon, but offensive line, um, you know, tight end, they, they have potential to be better, to be honest with you, uh, with some of the additions they made, which is not easy when you lose good players like Tip Ryman, uh, Julian Pearl, and Isaiah Adams. Yeah, offensive line, I think we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that a little bit more. But, yeah, you, you've seen guys come in, and, again, we expect four of the five to be starters and sledge is TBD. Like, that's that's so different from the approach we've seen Brett Bielema take or at least be able to execute. Yeah. Right, like maybe maybe they did. I mean, we know they hosted people on visits, and they they didn't get some of the guys, or maybe they you know they put out a lot of offers. But to be able to to target and execute and get some of these guys, especially early, going to get into J.C. Davis early in the cycle, Anthony Johnson, Wigginton, like those were kind of felt like those were big moves, both in the time and in terms of the talent that you got in. And now it's we'll get into it. You're, there's still stuff you got to fill out on this roster to be where you need to be. And, and there's a lot of time. And I think you'll see some movement still come April. One thing I think we have to do when we do this equation of the transfer portal is what's leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll look it up here, but Purdue's transfer class looks phenomenal, but then you kind of put in what they're losing, which is 25 players, including some really important players uh, on their roster. You start to think, how much did they improve, if at all? I mean, Illinois still got to prove that as well. But I'm talking about guys leaving for the transfer portal, not the NFL draft. Um, so I kind of broke it down, Joey. The average departures in the Big Ten so far, and this includes Washington and Michigan, who just wrapped up the national championship. Those players can still enter the transfer portal if they'd like. They only have three. But the average departures in the Big Ten via the transfer portal is about 12. So far, Illinois had five scholarship players enter the transfer portal. Reggie Love is a loss. He's one of your top two running backs, was your top running back when Caden Fagan was not healthier early in the season. Tavion Nicholson struggled last year with penalties and all of that. He was a starting cornerback, and that's a spot you have to fill. And then you lost depth guys in Sean Miller, Zach Barlev. Neither of those guys surprised me. Said McConnell a little surprising, and I think that's a loss because you still need to replace him in the rotation. But there's not a no doubt, like, besides Nicholson, starter, number one guy, maybe Love is in that mix. You're not losing one of your guys you were definitely counting on this year to be one of your star players. So uh, I think that's – we talk about it a lot. I bring it up a lot. Retention has been strong for Brett Bielema, whether it's not losing a Johnny Newton or a Gabe Ackes or any of these guys to the transfer portal like Purdue did with Nick Skirton and some of their players. I think that's been a big positive for Illinois. That's been their NIL focus for the most part. Um, and I think it's been a good one. Now you need those guys to produce. Like behind all of this, this offseason, we can talk about transfer portal, we can talk about freshman additions. This season to me is so dependent on development of both the coaching staff and the players they have recruited. So those defensive backs, those wide receivers, Malik Elzey, Ashton Hollins, Zachary Toby, Sabor Kareem, all of these guys, they have to take big steps forward. Defensive line, Alex Bray, guys like that. 
the internal development of these guys going year one to year two or year two to year three is probably one of the biggest stories of the season for me because it is now your team. Can Caden Fagan be a star? Can Gay Backus be an all Big Ten first or second team performer? Uh, if Seth Coleman returns, does he become a uh, oh, no doubt NFL draft pick? That is one of the biggest stories for me. All right. So let's let's do let's backtrack a little the portal. Let's talk just the, the outgoing. Five is not a big number. And as you mentioned, so so Nicholson went to Ole Miss, Love went to Purdue, McConnell went to Boston College. So those three three of those five found power five, power four options now out of the transfer portal. Like you don't want to lose guys to power four options, right? Like that that's just point blank. You don't. I don't think any of those wreck the season. I think Nicholson. I think his struggles last year maybe overly influenced how people view that loss. Like, dude, he was a two-year starter. He was your number one corner. Did he struggle? Absolutely. Did he have penalties? Absolutely. Was yep. he very, very maddening to watch at times? Yep. Absolutely. But he was your number one starter at cornerback. Like, that is – and he, he had kind of been in that pipeline. Not to say he was those guys, but he saw Nate, Nate Hobbs, Tony Adams, Devin Witherspoon, like – you don't want to lose that. Like you, you just don't. And I'm not I, saying it's the worst thing for Illinois in the world that like, Oh, how will they ever recover? But like, that's a loss. That, that's the biggest loss to me. I, I do think he needed a fresh start. And it I might, agree with that. Illinois might've been like, okay, yeah, you could use a fresh start. Reggie loves a loss. As you yep. said, like, I mean, there's not a lot of healthy backs there. And now you mentioned in your depth chart, Aiden Lawfrey's got to step up. Uh, we talk about Khalil Valentine coming in and making an early impact. He's coming in in June. That becomes a little bit more difficult. I think he can make an early impact, but Aiden Lawfrey is going to get most of these spring carries because Josh McCray, I think, might have a chance to play in the spring. Jordan Anderson. Yeah, we got to. That's the big question. We got to ask Brett Bielema about that when we talk to him. That's the biggest one, question for me. Like Anderson, I think. Sorry to cut you off. Anderson, I think, will be. He tore his ACL early enough that he might be able to, but what's that look like? I think like in practicality. I agree with that. Fagan. He had the shoulder surgery. Brett Bielema thinks if he's anything, maybe the end of spring ball, that would have been a big spring for Caden Fagan. I mean, like it, it just would have. He needed those those number one reps in there. Uh, so, yeah, like in terms of ready to play bodies at running back in the spring, like Reggie Love, that stings. And he was a solid back for Illinois, right? Like we sang Reggie Love's praises a lot this season for what he was able to do. Like, again, there's a difference between saying, hey, these guys are losses and folded up it's over. Like, I don't think you do that, obviously, but like, you have to acknowledge that those guys were good football players at Illinois, had productive careers at Illinois. Like that's, you don't want to lose those. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Think opposite of new year, new you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into this. Let's grade how Illinois has filled its transfer needs so far. So I went back to December when I re-ranked the transfer portal needs. Number one, I had defensive line. They've added Anthony Johnson, who chose Illinois after taking official visits to Rutgers and Wisconsin. Rutgers defensive line has been playing well lately. We know Wisconsin's recruiting really, really well under Luke Fickle. has been a really good program. And then Anetchi Sledge, uh, they get from uh, Auburn, who's a nose tackle, how would you grade that, Joey? C plus. Like I like who they've added, but it just feels like you're one away from, yeah. from jumping up a letter grade. And we know, right? We know they explored those possibilities. They briefly had a commitment from Clay Patterson that did not work out. We know they've hosted Isaiah Hastings. Like they're still looking for one more. So like knowing that, knowing what they have to replace. Like so, a C plus isn't like well, Anthony Johnson might not be any good or Sledge. It's just like. They had so much to replace. I feel like they're one more away from taking that next step up. I'm I have C plus written down too. Um, I like the quality of the guys they added. I think Sledge will step in and be a rotational nose tackle. I, I know some of the Auburn guys said he's a developmental guy. He's entering year three and he's big, he's strong. And I kind of trust Terrence Jameson with development, like what he did with Denzel Daxon, what he did with Calvin Avery at that position. I think he's really good. Uh, assistant coach. So I think he'll do well. Anthony Johnson, um, he's kind of been a late bloomer, didn't get into football until late in his high school career. Uh, took a while at Youngstown State to make an impact, but you watch him against Ohio State and he's winning reps against Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson and uh, their, their offensive tackle is an all Big Ten guy. Like he's winning some of those reps. I think he can be a solid Big Ten starter. That said, I agree with you. They need one more. Uh, Clay Patterson, they had, I thought he would have been a really solid addition, but on the official visit, something happened where they just, it wasn't a fit anymore. So they still got another spot to fill. They're trying to fill that one. As you said, they've hosted some other guys. Isaiah Hastings goes to Missouri. It's hard to land these defensive linemen, but I have to go C plus until they add one more because they are losing five of their six guys. Um, now I think Gabe Hackis very well could move to defensive line. So I do think that would really, really help them. We'll talk about some of the potential schematic changes they can make to help this as well. But I do think they need one more body because right now you did the depth chart, Joey, uh, and we can add Gabe Ackes in there, but I still feel like they need one more rotational guy. Alex Bray's a guy I think can make an impact, um, but is Pat Farrell, is Jeremiah Warren ready uh, in their second seasons at Illinois? We'll see. Uh, To rely on young guys is, is difficult, but I know they're high on Alex Bray and Jeremiah Warren. Yeah, and that's just the other point I wanted to make. Like the depth chart, there was a lot of whoa responses, right? Like when we posted that out there, and I understand it, 
but I do think into like, I do think they need one more, but on the other side of that, as you mentioned, there's so much we don't know about the development of internal guys. We, we know they like Jeremiah Warren a lot. We know, obviously, they like Alex Braylock. He played a, for a freshman on the defensive line. He played a decent bit last year. So, yes, they need to add one more. But also, like, what kind of jump can, can those guys make now with the full everything, a season, a, a off season, a, even I think both those guys were winter additions last year, if I'm not mistaken. So you, now you've got a calendar year of things to build on. And then of course the gay back is question. We'll get into that. I know that is probably one of our bigger questions on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but yeah, they still need one more. And I, I think you'll see them kind of running out of time at this moment in time, but uh, I think minimally in the spring, you'll see them continue to explore that market. I would imagine. So uh, number two on my needs list was offensive line. I give him an A like JC Davis was a all conference player. First team guy, uh, pro football focus kind of had him as a seventh round pick slash undrafted guy, like in their top 300 though, of NFL prospects right now, NFL draft prospects for 2024. And he had interest for some big schools out West. Um, but Illinois, Brett Bielma prioritized him. It was his number one target at offensive tackle. And they're able to close that one pretty dang quickly. I watched the film. He reminds me a lot of Vidarian Lowe. Like I, I, I think this guy can be an NFL player. Now he's got to prove it against Big Ten competition, right? But to get a plug-and-play left tackle in this transfer market where he certainly got some big offers, Joey, uh, I think I think J.C. Davis was a huge addition. And then to follow it up on the same day and get Kevin Wigginton, who started games for Michigan State in the Big Ten, has two years of eligibility. Davis has one, uh, just to put that out there. Um, but Wigginton, who I think is a, probably a no-doubt starter, for, for Illinois uh, and, and pushes that competition, improves your depth, getting two of those guys and winning really competitive power four battles for those guys. Um, I, I think they filled it and they're still looking ahead more. Melvin Priestley from Grambling State, an East St. Louis kid. Uh, they hosted for an official visit. I, I think if Illinois wants him, they can get him. Um, and now it's that would just add even more depth. So Brett Bielma said, I never want to be thin on the offensive line again. With the internal development of guys with Josh Geske and Zy Chrysler and Josh Kruitz all returning, uh, Hunter Whitenack, Brandon Henderson all getting a year older, stronger, wiser. Uh, I feel like the top of this offensive line depth chart has a little bit more questions than the last couple of years because you had Adams, Pearl, Palcheski, those guys, Kramer. But I think the depth, I think they feel more comfortable with their eighth and ninth guys, seventh guys on this offensive line than they have the past couple of years. Yeah, I was exactly there with you on A. I was somewhere between A and A minus, knowing that they still have Priestley out there on the board if they want to make that move and get him and, and jump him up. But they, yeah, they, they did a good job of addressing both the starters, right? Like those two guys we both expect to be starters, but just the trickle down that has on the depth. I told you, I've said this on here a few times. I, I still believe it. I think they left Lawrence, Kansas last year, that football game, just freaking out on the offensive line. And they never said that. I've never been explicitly told like we were freaking out, but to move Isaiah Adams, knowing how much they valued him at left guard and knowing what that would do to your depth to move him over to right tackle. I, and then to not have a lot of options. So like, there just weren't a lot of ready to play options. You saw that like at no point, if you remember back, we talked about Bedovinak earlier. If you remember back to 21, he kind of settled in late. Like there were, it felt like there was a musical chairs going on early and then late he settled in. 
no one really, really settled in late last year at the guards. You still saw Whiteneck and Gasky and to a much lesser degree, Henderson move around kind of on those interior spots, like especially left guard. Like left guard was the one that there was a lot of rotation there. So you in just two never their three years, I don't think they felt confident in five guys on the offensive line. The first year and the this past year. I think they felt confident in four starters. Yeah. And I think 2022, they felt confident in five starters. They were fortunate they didn't have an injury, right? Like, I, I think they got really fortunate that year they didn't have a serious injury. Um, so they have, I mean, they've recruited a lot of offensive linemen, and they're already recruiting over some of those guys with guys like Kevin Wigginson and potentially Melvin Priestley. Yeah, and I think they probably wouldn't have felt good about five if Alex Palczewski didn't get the waiver in 22. Mm-hmm. Like right, like that it was a huge deal for this offensive line to bridge that gap. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Or Alex Pilstrom didn't develop into an all Big Ten potential practice squad guy. So it took up a couple of games for the fifth guy. They probably had confidence in and Pilstrom was right. Yeah. That's right. So I, I think I really like what they've done on paper depth wise. And because you have guys like Gesky, Whiteneck, and Henderson, like those are the guys fighting for a starting spot right now, I think. I mean, they, they've, we've never been come out and been told that, but, like, that's what I think. After the season, like, Gesky was a no-doubt starter. Chrysler, no-doubt starter. Kruitz, no-doubt starter. You had no idea who your tackles were. Uh, Brandon Henderson, we would have had at left tackle, which I love the idea of Brandon Henderson. Guy said, what, 20-something snaps uh, in the Big Ten? And then you're potentially going Chrysler or Gesky at right tackle, white knack potentially. That's a lot of question marks. So the fact that J.C. Davis and Kevin Wigginton, you know those guys are, are good enough to play. I think in the Big Ten and be really good. Now those other guys have to fight for playing time. That's what you want. That's what you want on the offensive line. So I give them an A. Yeah, I, I'm with you. All right. That's a good transition to our next one, which I think is going to be much different. Yes. Defensive back. So far, Chase Canada, we can include into here as the JUCO edition. What grade are you giving them, Joey? I'm low, so you can you can decide to go low too. Don't don't be afraid. Yo, I, no, I wasn't going to be afraid to go low. I think it's a D. Yeah. I think you need a starter. Like, you need to get somebody. We've seen them explore. So, like, that's not just us saying, like, maddening this when you're in a Madden free agent. And you're like, go get this guy because you can. Like, we've seen them go out and look. And we've seen them host players on visits. Like, they've not, for whatever reason, whether that was their decision, whether that was the player's decision, whatever the combination of all that was, they've not gotten a, a guy that you think is going to walk in there and start at particularly cornerback. That is where my – when we talk defensive back, we're talking corners. Like that's where my biggest concern on this defense is, is those two corner spots. And I think you needed to go out and you need to get a guy. And we've seen them try. I'm sure you'll see them try throughout the spring. Um, it's a D for me, man. No, absolutely. Like they're high on Chase Canada, but anytime they add a Juco now, especially a defensive back, people are going to say, well, Prince Ford and Caleb Patterson didn't make any. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I do think they can find a starter among the guys they have. Like, I think Zach mm-hmm. Kobe is going to be a good Big Ten player. I think Sabor Kareem and Jaheim Clark have a chance to be really good Big Ten players. Xavier Scott, if they need to play at corner, I think he can do it. I think he's probably better at, at the star position, that nickel position, but they need a starter, and, and they are offering guys. They Their priority was offensive and defensive line, and it absolutely needed to be. But since they've landed those guys, they've offered a lot of cornerbacks, and they're shooting high. They offered, like, B.J. Mays, Kobe Singleton. These are guys with intense, intense offer lists. Uh, but eventually they're going to have to land one. I expect this will be the priority heading out of the spring. 
Uh, but I do think like they can look, develop, see what they have in the spring with all these guys because all of them are healthy, from what I understand. And I do think like safety, Matthew Bailey, he played 25 snaps, I think, against Penn State. You saw his impact. Like when he was in the game, that defense was so much better. And if he's healthy, which coming off two significant injuries, we have to see, he's going to be a, a big player. Like Miles Scott, I thought was solid last year. I think eventually you can upgrade, but Demetrius Hill gets healthy. Macrosetich, they think can make an impact. I still think they can address safety, though. I would love to add another Clayton Bush type of player that gives you depth, gives you experience, because Miles Scott's just one year into playing safety. I think he can get better. Uh, Matthew Bailey has really only played, what, 200 snaps at, at this level. I think he's going to get better. Demetrius Hill, we have to see, but I think they should add another depth piece there, whether it's a Harper-like guy, Bush-like guy. I think they can do that. But yeah, you have to go deep because they really haven't addressed it outside of Chase Canada, who I think can play, but I would like him to be competing for a starting job, not handing him a starting job. Yeah, I, I agree with you on safety. I just think corner right now is a, a bigger need. And I do like the young guys they have. And I think that's a really good point to for them to maybe see what they have in terms of internal development and spring ball. At the, Is it a Sabor Kareem, Zachary Toby, Jaheim Clark? Like are those guys probably getting about time for Elijah McCantos to, to find his way to make an impact? What can Vernon Woodward do when he gets to campus? But again, we're talking about guys with minimal snaps, minimal career snaps. And, and like that is that was our concern going into last year. And I, it's, it's our concern going into this year for this defense. And I think this is a valid criticism because I do think they have sold well uh, on the trail about their NFL development success to high school guys. Like Vernon Woodward to me is a big addition. Mm -hmm. Obi and Kareem were really good prep prospects, but it's a little surprising that Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin has not led to an immediate, like this guy wants to go here to be developed by Aaron Henry. Uh, and, and be that star cornerback for Illinois that has had this NFL success with defensive backs. That's a little surprising to me, to, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I'm looking for that. Like, can they do that in the spring after Devin Witherspoon wraps up? You know, he just wrapped up a what top five defensive rookie uh, of the year Pro Bowl season. So we'll see if they can they can do that because I get it. Fans think, man, you have Devin. How how are you not selling this a little bit better? You know, Johnny Newton, I think Anthony Johnson, that was huge. Clay Patterson, it was huge uh, when they did get him. Um, so I think they've sold that pretty well. Offensive line, they've sold incredibly well. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing if they can sell that better in the spring. Yeah, but so this was something I wanted to bring up earlier. And before we get to the next two, Jeremy, what should we expect? I mean, I think I know the answer to this. I'm just I'm posing it to you so I don't ramble. In terms of the quality and of ready to play talent exiting a program and entering a program in the spring, right? Because it feels like that is a very much like a CJ Hart. Like I don't like where I'm at on the depth chart. I'm going to go put myself in a position to be better. This not like the, the floodgates open as they do in December and, and people start running out into the transfer portal. Like it just feels like two different, maybe kind of tones of the portal. It's a good question. Somebody really didn't monitor. I mean, there is another wave. you get 15 days, April 15th, to April 30th, where guys have a chance to go through spring ball. I, I will mention this. I think you're going to get a lot of seniors to enter the transfer portal late in this process because a lot of these guys want to graduate. And then once you graduate, it's easier to transfer somewhere. So there will be guys, and I should have mentioned this earlier, Illinois will have more transfers out 
It's going to be guys deeper on the depth chart that probably are trying to get their degree. And then they can, it's just way easier credits wise. Um, and, and just having a degree to transfer anywhere you want once you're a grad transfer. And some guys need an extra semester in the spring to do that. So I expect some out from Illinois from that. But I also expect, you know, guys who are experienced who might be the third guy or fourth guy at really good programs down to the portal. So I still think there's going to be quality there. Uh, but it is a different group. But I think for Illinois, it might be an older group. It might be a more experienced group. that maybe you do have a plug-and-play one-year guy. So I do think they're going to have options there. Yeah, I do too. I just It feels like a different – yeah, just a whole different tone because that first wave is just—it's insane, right? And I, the spring ball, I think, really helped paint the picture for guys of where they are in the depth chart. And in some ways, like you're obligated to give these guys four years, and maybe that that programs that wraps up in the spring, right? Where you don't have to say, "Yeah, sure, we'd love to have you back for the fifth. Yeah. All right. Um, tight end was number four on my transfer needs. This is an A for me. Uh, you was Tip Ryman, and I felt. I feel comfortable with their physicality in that tight end room with guys like Tanner Arkin and Henry Boyer. And eventually Tanner Hollinger will get there. He doesn't join Illinois until June. Uh, Griffin Moore should be back for another year. Showed some flashes, but not a lot of consistency. He's a little undersized compared to the prototype. To add a guy like Cole Rusk, who is an FCS All-American, kid from Rock Island, great story. His dad was a U of I wrestler. But watching the film, and I got a film review up today, Joey, this is just a natural pass catcher. He's six foot six, 250 pounds, but he's a really good athlete. Great hands. You know, Tip Ryman at times struggled to adjust to the ball in midair. Cole Rusk does not. The competition amps up, but, you know, from Missouri Valley to Big Ten, it's a lot different. Less bus out there and all that. But uh, when he gets an opportunity, he usually makes the catch. Only one drop all of last year, and he had more than 50 targets. That's a great drop rate. Um, I think he can be significant addition. And the best thing about it is I just think he's a great fit for what they need. They have not had a dynamic pass catcher make a huge impact really since Daniel Barker. Like I, I think Tip Ryman was a better overall tight end, but they've had blockers, they've had physicality. Luke Altmyer needs another proven pass catcher outside of Pat Bryant, and I expect some of those other receivers to step up. But I, I think he's going to have a better option, especially in this play action with a guy like Cole Rusk. Yeah, I agree. This is, I'd probably say a B just because maybe a B plus just because I have cons not concerns, but I want to see that productivity translate from the Missouri Valley to the Big Ten. Uh, but I like his skill set. I really do. I, I think it's so he's so different than what we've seen Illinois, not not so much target, but successfully land at the tight end position under Bielma. Yeah, it's already interrupt, but he's no. he's what we wanted Owen Anderson to be. Kind of, kind of what Owen Anderson was projected to be, and so far, like I've barely seen Owen Anderson. I, he's not that big; like he has not added a lot of strength from what we've seen. But he's buried on the depth chart, so if he's not going to be that, they had to add another guy like that. So you're right; like he's got questions, he's got to prove it. But I do think his receiving ability translates. Yeah, I should probably correct myself because Owen Anderson, and Nate Gann are, are both kind of in that more pass catcher first, blocker second mold. And I thought, you know, I should probably dig out this quote. I don't remember if I transcribed it. I thought Barry Lunny nailed it um, on our signing day podcast where usually with high school guys, you get one or the other. You either get a blocker or a pass catcher. Uh, he didn't say it, but I will. The guys who have both, they go to like Georgia, Alabama. Like they're, they're rare. They're, they're rare to get both out of high school. You usually have to develop both into them and, 
someone else kind of did at least uh you know, th that's what i think Illinois needs to do with cole rusk is develop that more i know you broke it down really well in the film room so i'm not going to spoil what, what you had written but no he's that's got he where that's where his next step is and i think there's potential that it could be serviceable in that regard yeah he's got the tools to be a a competent blocker like i i see the skills i think it's mostly fundamentals and to be honest with you experience like henry boyer has all the tools to be a devastating blocker but you could see he doesn't have a lot of experience not a lot of reps and it's just fundamental things that he can clean up that to be great at it um so i i think he's going to improve there uh but i i just think for what they needed at that position i i, I thought they nailed it with a guy like cole rusk who had an official visit set up to Ole Miss. I know it's an Illinois kid and he's a, he's a legacy, but they still got him. Um, so I, I think that's big. That's a position I thought they would recruit better. Cole Ruff, to me so far, is the best tight end addition they've added uh, during Brett Bielma's time here. So I'm, I'm going to give him an A there. Wide receiver, Mario Sanders would be the one, uh, but you're losing Isaiah Williams. You're losing Casey Washington. Obviously, we expect George McDonald's recruited really well at the preps and the development of those guys is going to be really important. You know, Mario Sanders, the leader, Juco uh, in receptions, receiving touchdowns, one of the top two in receiving yards. Got to at least give him a C-plus for that, right? Um, but I think this is a spring one where you look at what you got, Joey, and see if you want to add another one. Yeah, I, I see C-plus feels right to me because I feel like it – what the like, – I didn't – Five feels right for the need. So, like, when I'm grading these, I base what you got versus what I felt the need was. And I really like the potential of the internal development of some of those guys and probably get some points for retention of Pat Bryant to this point. Uh, he's he's still at Illinois. The portal window is closed. Um, he's just a guy who's got the tools. He probably would have had so, some offers, right? Like, we, we know that that's the thing in college football. And I just I, – I, I'm high on what I think – the development of Ashton Hollins and Malik Elzey can be, you had to replace Isaiah Williams. Like that, that's the big one. And can Mario Sanders do that? Is it a combination of Sanders, Beatty and, and Wilcher? I don't know, but I'll give it a C just because I, Sanders is talented. And I don't feel like you had to go make a splash like you had to in the top three on defensive, offensive and, and defensive back. All right. So let's wrap this up before we get to the listener submitted questions. If we had to rank the top remaining transfer needs, Joey, number one, I'll give to you. Yes, defensive back. Like we just gave this them a D because they haven't added anyone out of the portal, and they've tried. So that that's a pretty clear number one to me. Yeah, that's one, one A, two, three for me. Um, number two for me would be de defensive line. I think they need one more. Um, number three, what would you do? Like if they had Melvin Priestley, like so obviously they might want to add some depth there. I wouldn't even have offensive line, I think, five, like four, um, because I think they've done a pretty good job. They got guys returning. Wide receiver would probably be three for me, but that depends on what they see. I would just like one more proven guy, because I don't know if Alex Kapka Jones or Hank Beatty, veterans now on this team, I don't know if those guys are top five guys on my rotation quite yet. I'd like them to face a little bit more competition, but this probably wouldn't happen until the spring. Yeah, yeah, wide receiver, like offensive line, you could say because you know, like they want to add depth. We're getting but it's it. kind of like an embarrassment of not an embarrassment of riches. That's that's way overvaluing all the depth there. But like, I feel like I feel good about depth wise, where this offensive line competition wise, where this offensive line is. So, 
Yeah, I guess receiver. Like it's there's such a cliff from one and two to the rest, which which is a credit to what Illinois was able to do in the All early right. part of this offseason. So let me throw this at you. If you had to take wide receiver off that and offensive line, like if they want to add another one, hey, more depth, that's great. Melvin Priestley has played left tackle. He could be your backup left tackle and a backup guard, push those guys for a starting spot. Would you put running back or quarterback on that next one? Mm. I I think I quarterback think... would have to be a paddock. Yes, yes, yes. I would say quarterback because, like, Illinois has kind of been spoiled in finding a way to thread the needles the last few offseason with early with Art Sikowski, which obviously transferred over into the Tommy DeVito year as well to have that solid, proven, experienced backup. And then John Paddock. So, like, if you can swing that, sure, that's a really, really hard needle to thread. It just is. Like, usually experienced guys want to go somewhere where they can be productive. And Conversely, I think it's time to give Donovan Leary the shot to see if he can be that backup quarterback for you. My concern with running back, you have so many scholarship bodies. Like you cannot afford scholarship count-wise to throw eight scholarships at the running back position. Like there's just so many. I think one would have to transfer out after spring ball to Adam. Yes. Uh, and and I do want to mention like Khalil Valentine coming in in June. They also had a really good preferred walk-on, Aaron Ball from St. Lawrence and Burbank, Illinois. Like I think – He's he was a nice addition, like a really good addition where they didn't have that preferred walk-on guy who was a low three-star recruit with you know low level, lower level division one offers. Uh Aaron Ball is that guy. So I I think that's gonna be a nice addition for the future. That's kind of what you want your preferred walk-on program to be. Is if I have to go to my fifth or sixth running back, can I trust him in a game? Kind of like the Nubin kid from Minnesota, who was a revelation for them. And namely, is he not a defensive back two weeks ago? Right? That's what Illinois was facing this year. Or, or linebacker, yeah, whatever it is. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, let's get to some uh, listener-submitted questions here, Joey. Uh, Joseph asks, which transfer are you most excited about? How many more transfers do you think they'll take? Will there be more after spring ball? I think we've answered some of those questions, but which transfer are you most excited about? I, I can't believe I'm not taking like a splashier thing, but I'm excited for JC Davis. It's the left tackle. Yeah. I mean, that is it's such an important position. I think he, this, you know, I, I was going to ask you this earlier. So while we're talking about him, because he's a clear answer here for us, what, if you had to go in terms of all the portal additions of this coaching staff, has added where does he rank for you and again i know we it feels like we're like this whole offseason we have to phrase everything in like we still need to see it on the field because there's so much hype last offseason and it fell short in in a lot of ways so you still need to see him make that jump but i think just his productivity like he's a really big one and i would put him pretty high on that list outside of the quarterbacks he'd be behind devito and altmeyer for me, Altmaier would probably be number one just because of those three years of eligibility. There's probably more competition for Davis and Devito, though. No, right? But yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah. In terms of how it played out, right? You can't guy, put him guy, guy I was highest on. Like I'll, I'll just put it in my mind, sure. guy yeah, who yeah. I was highest on. He would be right behind those guys. Yeah, that's exactly where I landed. Which 
in some ways is kind of a, well, the portal recruiting has left some to be desired in, a, in some positions over the first four portal cycles, but also like this dude is good. And a lot of people that played late into the season wanted him on their team. Like that is a big addition. Yeah. Some other guys who would be in that mix. Like I was really intrigued by Alec Bryant. He's turned into a nice rotational player could start this year. Jafar Armstrong. I was really intrigued by, um, just given, you know, he made an impact at Notre Dame and Eddie Smith. I was kind of intrigued by, so some of them don't work out. Right. But, um, Watching the film of J.C. Davis and, and knowing the position, knowing what he's proven already. Knowing his coach. Yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. Um, yes, they will take more after spring ball. I think there's at least three more transfers they will add until before next season. That's my opinion. Brad, what do you think Zai showed being starting right tackle last year, and can he show it again? Or was he just the least bad option? I love the offensive line questions. We have another offensive line question right after this. The Zai Chrysler right tackle. This is one of the most fascinating things of the offseason for me. What is going to happen at right tackle? Is it Brandon Henderson, who we thought could play left? Does he just move to right tackle? He's your starter. Or Zai Chrysler, who they were high on at this position. They think he can play this position. Played it last year for the first two games, was bad. And then he played well at guard, which he was more comfortable at last year. Uh, but he was never healthy last year. He. He did not play in the spring because of a shoulder injury. He had shoulder surgery after the season, and then he had an ankle injury through training camp. What did he practice? A couple practices during training camp, and then – That's what we're told, yeah. Yeah, got healthy late um, before the, the game started. Uh, he was not good there, but I'm interested to see. That's one of the most interesting storylines for me in spring ball is what are the options at right tackle? What do they do? Because we know Zy Chrysler can be a, a solid Big Ten starting guard. Uh, can he be that tackle? Is Brandon Henderson? Do they try Geske there again? Do they try Whitenack there again? I think it would be Chrysler or Henderson. Yeah, those are my top two right tackle options. Chrysler's so interesting. So I mean, there's a lot to break down on it. We'll do it quickly. It was. It turned out to be a misevaluation putting him at right tackle, and, and just knowing there wasn't a lot of depth back there. But I just. I know the history they have with offensive linemen. I don't like, which leads me to wonder how much the injury played into that, because I don't think this coaching staff just tried to dream it into reality, right? Like I think there had to have been something somewhere. Maybe they, that they saw. Yeah. They, they saw something physically because he can move for how big he is. He's long arms, but they had to see something. But the fact that they kept with it through those injuries of no reps also told me, they did not like their other options there. That's right. hundred percent. Like that, that is where I think it was the least bad option. Yes. And it turned out because I, again, like I can't stress <laughs> this enough option. <laughs> yes. Because they loved the left side. Yeah. Like to me, that was a break glass in case of emergency option to move Isaiah Adams from that left guard spot. Cause they thought he could have been one of the better guards in the country, roll up a lot of accolades at that position. I don't get the sense that they wanted to move him at all, but you had to. They but thought I just a day two pick. They yeah. thought Adams should be a day two pick. So just like I just can't imagine that they were like, nope, no matter what we're seeing, this is it. Like that they misevaluated it so badly that they were gonna be damned to make it work no matter what. Because they obviously they didn't, right? And that didn't work out. Uh, so I it's such an interesting spring and fall camp with him at, at right tackle because I like what he can do at guard. And I like the idea of Wigginton at guard. And I think your best five might be. Davis, Wigginton, Krutz, 
Chrysler, and then what? who? Like, is it Henderson? Is it Geske? Is it Whiteneck? Like, I think that's probably your best five option. I just, I don't know. It's so fascinating. It is so, so fascinating. I understand all the hesitancy when people read Zy Chrysler right tackle. I do. Because it was a rough watch in those let's, first few games. Let's get into it. Blockheads, it's starting offensive line and confidence in each of those five spots. Um, all right, let's start. Left tackle, J.C. Davis. One of the guard spots, Kevin Wigginson. Center, Josh Cruz. So Possibly we, captain Josh Cruz, by the way. This is what we're, what we're here projecting out. I would probably be most confident in Josh Cruz being a captain than anybody else on this team next year. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe Matthew Bailey? Dylan Rose? Yeah. Those two? Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to say Chrysler guard, Brandon Henderson, right tackle. 100%. That's, That's where I land. What I want to see, like if Geske is your swing guard, potentially could play right tackle. I feel pretty good about that. Chrysler can move to tackle and Geske can play at guard. White Knack, I feel confident, can just play a little bit. If you add Priestley, that'd be a pretty good two deep. I think TJ McMillan or AJ Dennis is your backup center, can play a little guard as your ninth, tenth guy. I'd feel pretty good about that group. It's, it's, if you had Priestley too, who can be a backup left tackle, Henderson can do like all of a sudden you have options. Uh, but I would love to see Brandon Henderson win that right tackle job. I'm so high on Brandon Henderson, and I, I know you are too, and I know we're not alone. Like all the reviews we had heard throughout the season were raw early, oh my, look at him, in kind of like those first three weeks, like, wow, he's really – there's something here, like we're, from spring ball into this. And then it felt like there was a little bit of a plateau, which typically happens with freshmen. And then that – that open week, that late in the season open week, it felt like something really clicked with him. That's kind of the vibe that we got. And, and like they had thought even before that, like, hey, this guy could be the left tackle. Obviously, you go out and get a no doubt starter. But I don't think the addition of Davis just automatically relegates Henderson to a, a backup job. Like I think he and Brett Bielma talked about it way back in spring ball where he played all four positions outside of center on the offensive line. That matters. Like I maybe Henderson I'm very, very high on him. Maybe, maybe Henderson can push Geske for the guard job and Chrysler's at right tackle. Like that's what's that's what I like about him a, a lot. So what's great there, Joey, is it's competition. Like it, it's a real competition where I think they actually have multiple options. Mark asked, "Do we ever take a serious look at bringing in a quarterback via the portal to start or compete with Altmaier? Altmaier's their starter, but we don't know of adding quarterback. Brett Bielma and usually goes with." four scholarship quarterbacks at the most. That's what they have right now with Trey Petty coming in, Cal Swanson. But I think they really like Donovan Leary. I think they value Donovan Leary. I think there's a reason they mention him every chance they get unprompted because listen, Donovan Leary was the third guy last year. Let's be honest. At most schools, the third guy leaves. Like he, he just, is there a chance to play? Leary's going to get a ton of reps this spring. They I think they like him a lot. Can he eventually be a starter? He's going to have to prove that. But I think Donovan Leary, like this is a great opportunity. Luke Altmaier runs a lot. Luke Altmaier's had a history of injuries. You are one snap away. Uh, I think Donovan Leary is going to be the backup quarterback next year with Trey Petty uh, and Cal Swanson battling out for the third spot with Kirkland Michaud. Yeah, and again, we talked about this earlier where I, I think if you could get a veteran, veteran guy, a fifth-year, six-year guy, you would explore that. But at some point, you're – your room has changed enough that I don't know that you need to explore that, right? Like, because Donovan Leary is now in his third year here, like that's 
you're not dealing with a, a redshirt freshman or a true freshman anymore. So this guy who's in his third year, and if you believe in him and, and you believe in his talents, like you've got to give him the chance to be that backup quarterback. And he's not, you know, again, he's not this inexperienced guy who only had practice squads, you know, practice look team reps for a whole year. I know that was the story out of his yep. freshman year. He's got reps in your system. He's been with Barry Lonnie now going into his third year. Like it's time to see, it's time to see if he can do it. And I, from what it sounds like, they, they believe in what he's able to do. We haven't really seen a lot of Don Mulary playing football at Illinois uh, outside of some spring ball. And he had ups and downs in the spring game that we saw, but that's to be expected for a guy without a lot of reps. The one thing Don Mulary oozes is confidence. And right I would say, well, yeah, lettuce, <laughs> great lettuce. Um, jealous. Uh, but <laughs> just he's oozes leadership. He's got some Art Sikowski to him. Like and, and obviously he's got the bloodlines. He knows the quarterback position so well with his brother Devin Leary being uh, a starter at NC State and, and now Kentucky. Like I, I think, I, I think Donovan's got that it quality. Now we got to see what he can do uh, on the actual field. Jamie, far too early. Top three NFL prospects on the current team. I like this one. Um, and I clarified, like I said, are you talking broadly or just 24? Probably not enough to talk just – 25, sorry. Probably yeah. not enough to talk just 25. So broadly, it would be like a snake draft through five, just a five-person – six, I guess. I, I would I would limit this to 2025 because I think it's too far too early to say like Malik Elzey is a top NFL draft prospect on this team, even though I think his okay. ceiling is incredibly high. So I want to go 2024 NFL draft. Or 2025, excuse me, yeah. So number one, and we should bring up the timeline here, January 15th is the hard deadline to declare for the draft. That is five days from now. We have not heard a single peep, one way or the other, from Seth Coleman. Not a single word. Not a, hey, you've been invited to this or that, nothing. Five days. So I'm going to, as of right now, because we haven't heard the otherwise, and it's very, very late in this process, I'm going to put him at number one. For me, because I love his tools. I love the way that he played late last year. Once him and Charlie Bowen, there was probably a figure it out with each other process. I thought he really turned it up late. I, I, we've always seen the tools with him. Still pretty young, too, for considerably for or considering his age. So he's number one for me. Like that's that's a slam dunk one. Yeah, highest floor of all these guys, uh, most proven of, of all these guys, an all Big Ten player. Just got to be consistent. Uh, and if he comes back, that's a huge addition. I, I would expect him to be back at this point, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what the process leads. Number two, it's a bit of a bold call because he'd be an early entry, but I got to go with Gabe Ackes. Um, he's just so physically imposing. Uh, he can get better consistency. I think he needs to be more consistently disruptive. But I do think if he changes the defensive line and plays more just that 4-3 defensive end or at times 4-I technique, can he play 3 technique to help replace Johnny Newton? I think that versatility in today's NFL is is incredible, and I, I just think he has the talent to do it. And I'm really interested to see, as you said, what Charlie Bowen can do with year two with those guys. So I'm going to put Gabe Ackes up there because I still think – he hasn't hit his ceiling. Like I, I think he can reach another level, and I think Illinois needs it. They need him and Seth Coleman to be dominant next season. Are we snaking this, or you you can go? Look, we, we have to say, like, kind of similar to our drop-off in terms of like transfer needs to add, it kind of feels like a drop-off in, in terms of what we know. Because I think the next logical one here 
just given what he came in with his draft status or thought to be, would be J.C. Davis, right? And we've got to see it, obviously. That's a big thing. But he was well thought of at New Mexico. So I, I, to me, that's number three. And with the caveat of we've got to see that translate to the Big Ten. That's the Mountain West, right? Like that's a pretty good football league. Not a bad, yeah, not a bad league by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, it's again, like given what the buzz was last offseason and the product, like anything we say, I feel like has to be with, we've got to see it because we've got to see it. And, and there was a lot of talk that didn't really manifest itself last year. But this was a guy with NFL. A lot of offers and, and a lot of offers, man. Like programs that know what NFL talent looks like. The other guy I would add to this is Pat Bryant. Mm-hmm. because I think he's shown the flashes. Now he's the number one guy. And I think he could be in for a very productive year because I do think Illinois' passing attack has a chance to be really, really good. Um, and obviously he's got to have some guys step up around him, but I liked what I saw out of this passing attack. Obviously Luke Altmeyer has got to speed up his process, You know, be better in the offense, all those things. But you saw how this passing offense can be unlocked and what Barry Loney can bring schematically. I was really impressed with some of that late in the season. So Pat Bryant, I think could have a huge year um, production wise and just take another step. Got to cut down on some of those drops. Got to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, needs to be healthy, but I, I think he's got NFL potential. I'll say this, this NFL draft class is not as for Illinois in 2025, more questions about it than even the past couple years. Cause Devin Witherspoon, um, you know, Alex Pauczewski kind of stepped into those years as, as NFL guys. I think these guys got a, a little bit more to prove. We knew Johnny Newton was going to be a high draft pick. We knew Keith Randolph and Isaiah Adams would be draft picks, but these guys all have a little bit more proven to do. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we named four. Do you have a fifth? I don't, like, I could reach for some, right? I could go, like, a bold prediction and try to reach for some, but I don't even feel like that's honest because, like, there's just – kind of a younger team at a lot of positions where you you would see, you know, guys who could technically make the leap, like a Dylan Rosiak, the, um, you know, Matthew Bailey and all technicalities could make the leap three years removed. But this it's just things that like, those are just no, old, leapy takes that I don't, I don't care to do. No. And there's, there's a physical part of this talent wise. You have to have certain, that's why like, listen, he's got two years of eligibility left but a guy like Cole Rusk would intrigue me because he has these physical tools that I think you need. Maybe as I Chrysler, if he had a great year, uh, could be one of those guys, but I think he'd have a lot to prove uh, to do that. Anthony Johnson, potentially. Um, I just don't know if he's got that quickness, but he, he's got enough of a blue collar thing. Like that's you, He's got the length, though. He's got the size. Uh, and if they can develop him, maybe maybe he's more like a Daxon undrafted free agent, Calvin Avery undrafted free agent. But um, no, I, I don't know because I, I think the next group of guys we're talking about would be Caden Fagan, Malik LZ, some of those DBs that we got to see develop and just haven't proven enough yet. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pose one to you because you think the passing attack could be really good, you said. And there happens to be a quarterback who would have to be orchestrating that passing attack who can run again. Like we named our top four, but I do wonder what that NFL future looks like for Luke Altmaier because we've seen flashes with him. It's a guy I thought of bringing up. Um, yeah. Illinois hasn't had a quarterback drafted since uh, Kittner. I think Luke Altmaier's got NFL potential. There's just, the processing has to speed up. Does it? And I think it, it'll probably look the development of Tommy DeVito in one year there probably 
would help him in the long because like the tools you see the tools with Luke you do like there's just you he's it feels like he's a step away from really taking that leap again like this is just a fun conversation our top four are our top four but he's he's an interesting discussion point here if Luke Almeyer's an NFL prospect at this time last year Illinois had a great year <laughs> let's just let's just say that yeah. but that is within his ceiling that is within his ceiling talent wise like because it, it is there uh and I'm I'm excited I think Luke Altmeyer would be a huge reason you have optimism for for next season for Illinois because he proved to be a playmaker. Now it's just about eliminating the mistakes, which I thought he did later in the season. But for me, it's mostly about the things we talked about with Justin Fields, quicken up that processing, see the like make the throw before the guy comes open. All those things that uh, I think in year two uh, should help you. I, uh, I do want to add, like unrelated to the NFL part with him, just while we're talking, I got the vibe in talking to Barry Lunny. He never. Like they want to see him step into that leadership thing because there's kind of a leadership. I don't, I don't know. Void is the right word. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But there's a leadership opportunity offensively. We talked about the captains. I, I think Josh Kroots offensively is certainly one. Who's the next guy? Who's the next guy on offense? Is it Pat Bryant? Is it Josh McCray? You know what I mean? Like Caden Fagan? Yeah. Are we talking about? Like you'd love to see Luke Altmaier snag one of those spots, but don't know if he's that guy. Uh, Keith, which new conference opponent are you looking forward to visiting the most and why? I, I'm just going to say one of Oregon or Washington. Like to me, it's, it's both like it's scenic, both places. I feel like I could probably get a, a table at a bar there and sit in, in a, in a peaceful place. Seattle. Uh, and Like I've been to Portland and Seattle. It's a great, I love the Pacific Northwest. Um, so I, I am looking forward to those places. I would say, like, this will probably be the worst atmosphere of any game we see on the West, but I've never been to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So UCLA, even though they don't fill it at all, I still would just just getting to the Rose Bowl would be really cool. When I was a junior at U of I, I went to the Rose Bowl, but I went to New Orleans for a a community service trip uh, a couple days after that, and I just didn't have the money at the time, so I didn't go to the Rose Bowl. Wish I would have, but I still haven't been there. So just to see that place. Uh, would be really cool because I just don't know if I ever had the chance to cover an Illinois game, um, you know, actually playing in the Rose Bowl. So to, to see that would be cool. Can we discuss really quickly the two, the back-to-back schedule? You and I are going to spend some time on a plane. Because isn't it like – is it – who they play? Is it Oregon or Washington next year? At Oregon. At week. Oregon. And then the next – it's Oregon-Penn State. No, it's not. Nebraska-Penn State is the back-to-back. Yuck. It's a lot of traveling this year, Dylan. <laughs> oh my God! I was thinking at least we'd have a fun one with Oregon. Uh, Penn State's probably the worst travel uh, to get to in the Big Ten. But. All right, we'll hop in the car. We'll make it work. Big Kurt with limited NIL resources. They put all their eggs into the Altmeyer basket last transfer portal cycle. Seems they are going the opposite direction this cycle, stressing quantity. Only got five guys compared to a lot of these Big Ten yeah. teams. I would uh, say the eggs went in the retention basket last cycle. That's it. That's it. Like a lot of their NIL dollars have gone towards retention. I think this year it's been probably a big part of that. Like keeping guys like Pat Bryant and Gabe Ackes. Like I, I want to drill this into people's heads. Like you have to keep Caden Fagan. You have to keep Pat Bryant and Gabe Ackes and, and Seth Cole. Like that is really important because if you lose like Purdue and Nick Skirton, but you get some other guy, like Nick Skirton led the Big Ten in, in sacks last year. That is a monstrous loss. Like compare that to keeping Johnny Newton, like going to, I get the additions are the sexy part, but 
retaining your roster for me is the most important to what is supposed to be a developmental program like Illinois. Um, and they've done pretty dang well at that. And I, look, I also want to add because I, you also got to add, you also have to add. Yeah, you, have- you do. Yeah. And how do I want to phrase this? Is Illinois at the top of the big 10 or the middle of the big 10 in NIL funds? I would suspect probably not. Definitely not at the top. I would say you're probably below the middle in, in your NIL funds. I don't I think not, bottom, by the way. No, I'm also not going to sit here and pretend like I think Luke Altmeyer, Luke Altmeyer came here and ultimately over the course of 12 months since he's been here, made nothing. That is, like, I, I do not believe that to be true. Luke Altmeyer does NIL things. Like he, he made, if money. you see him posted in a picture with icon, He's not there because he believes – I mean, I'm sure he is in some capacity, but he's not there for free. Like, he's getting NIL opportunities here. Is that what ultimately, like, lured him to Illinois with some great NIL deal? I would say probably not. But I'm also not going to pretend like I think he showed up and is getting nothing. Yes. And I think you could say the same for a J.C. Davis and for a Kevin Wigginton and for these guys they add. Is it the main thing? I don't know. Probably not. Illinois, it's also not a nothing. Illinois is still going to mostly sell with development in the transfer portal opportunity. That is their biggest thing. But the NIL is not zero for those guys. No. Oh. I, I, uh. They're going to have opportunities at that. Yes. All right. wall staff linked with any veteran running back or running back at all in the portal. Not that I know. And Joey, I've said this. Like, yeah, I, if you could add like a Carson Steele last year, uh, the Ball State star transferred to UCLA and had a good year. Sure, you can add him. Imagine selling to a running back, though. In the trade, like, well, we got Caden Fagan. Well, am I going to get carries? Is that guy going to carry the ball 200 times? I think that's the goal next year is for that him to be that guy. Plus, you're bringing in this four-star kid. Aiden Lawfrey and Josh McCray have played the last couple of years. It's hard to sell that. Plus, you just have bigger needs. So, listen, I think if a running back left again, like, Yes, sure. Scholarship running back left after the spring. I think they can go at a guy in the portal. I just think you had bigger needs when you got a guy like Caden Fagan, Khalil Valentine. You still think Lawfrey, Anderson, and McCray can can help you. I, I don't think it was the biggest need, and I think the sell isn't that great. Yeah, hundred. And again, you just you can't. You got to have someone interested in the sell, but you also can't just throw. What is it? Fagan, Valentine, Lawfrey, Anderson, McCray. You can't like. If six of your 85 scholarships are going to the running back position, you've probably not recruited the running back position well enough the first time around. Yeah. Like you, you that's just too many. It's way too many to go to that position. Yeah. Dart, discuss DB depth and any position switches you'd like to see. Uh DB, there's intriguing young talent. It's just none of them are very proven. Right. Xavier Scott is the proven guy. I, I feel confident in him as a Big Ten starter. I cannot say that yet about anybody else. Toby showed flashes. I love Sabor Kareem as a prospect. Jaheim Clark was one of my my guys in the last class, and he played last year as special teamer and late as a DB. Um, I liked Elijah McCantos when they had him, but these guys still got to prove themselves. Tyler Strain, I think, can be a solid rotational guy for you. But, yeah, like those guys got to fight it out. Like There's talent there, but it's a big year for Aaron Henry and Antonio Finellas to develop that group. Yeah, Tyler Strain also lost his starting job this year. To freshman, to to, yeah, to a freshman. So, like, again, I he's returns, he has experience, but I mean, I yeah, I I have concerns about the. I like the the talent. There's just not a lot of experience back there. 
And I think you saw how much that can hurt. I think Aaron Henry and this coaching staff are going to have to figure out what if what they can do schematically with the lack of experience back. I think this I think schematics, and I know there's another question, Jeremy, that is a huge, like that big picture defensive story, what they run is mm-hmm. so fascinating in spring and fall. And we probably won't get any answers because they want it to be a mystery to everyone else. But it, it is, it's really interesting. Well, let's get into that because uh, Dart asked any position switches you like to see. He says Coleman to defensive line. Like, listen, Coleman can play defensive end, uh, and he does sometimes when they do a four-man front. That's what I want to mention with Illinois. Like, I'm guessing he meant Gabe Ackes on that, by the way. Like, that that seems to be the one that would make more sense than Seth Coleman. Correct. And here's why you could potentially do it. Assuming Seth Coleman comes back, we were told Ezekiel Holmes can have another year of eligibility, a seventh year, the Tommy Boy plan uh, with his injury history. Alec Bryant, I think, can start at outside linebacker and be pretty good. Ezekiel Holmes can rotate in. And then you've added Daniel Brown, who's a true stand-up edge rusher um, as a JUCO kid, led the junior colleges in sacks. You have a lot of depth there. Gayback should move to the defensive line, in my opinion, because I think he could be better there. I think his quickness, his strength plays incredibly well there, and I think that's where you need. If you put Gayback on the defensive line with Anthony Johnson, t Rod Edwards, Sledge, Alex Bray, uh, all the freshmen you got coming in, Jeremiah Warren. I'd feel pretty good about that defensive line, like if that's the guy. But that also could include defensive scheme changes. Mason asks, what are the plans you think with the fixing the defense that struggled a lot last year versus the year before? Could you move to where you do a more of a four-man front where Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes are on the edge and you got Anthony Johnson, T-Rod Edwards? as your other starters, right? As a three technique and a nose tackle where you run more four man. And then you have an overhang linebacker, which could be um, Daniel Brown. It could be Kanena Odaluga. And then you have another linebacker in Dylan Rosiak and then your five DBs. I think you could see more of that. We saw it against Wisconsin. Um, then they moved back to like more of a five man front against a team like Iowa. I just wonder if they're going to be more multiple. And Aaron Henry talked with us on the signing days. Uh, special Joey, I think all those things are under consideration because two of the three worst defenses in the Big Ten were this defensive scheme. Purdue was worst, Illinois was a twelfth, and both Aaron Henry and Brett Bielma have brought that up. That maybe offenses have figured us out, and we got to make some changes. I, I think that's the biggest storyline of this defense uh, in the offseason and Aaron Henry. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think your personnel, your returning personnel, could probably convince you to move where you don't have, you know, those three defensive linemen that Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, Denzel Daxon, that you really feel like you have to kind of build it around that. So, yeah, I think, I think that's very, like that is, that is the biggest story going into this. And unfortunately, again, like we're not going to have answers for that until the first game, which it's like, we might have some ideas here or there. Maybe we'll see an open this or that. Uh, but I just, they're going to, if they move those, if they make those changes, they're not going to, they're not going to get a billboard in Champagne and say, look, looky here, look what we've done. So here's kind of my point is like Gabe Backus could still be listed as an outside linebacker, but he's got to play hand- more like a defensive lineman, play more like a defensive end, defensive lineman, um, where he's got his hand on the ground. And then beside him is Daniel Brown. On the other side is Seth Coleman. And you only have two listed defensive linemen in Anthony Johnson and Edwards or sledge um, lining up on the defensive line, like only on the field. So that's, you could call it a what a two four five, or you could call it a four two five, whatever you want to call it. But um, 
yeah, I, th- I think that could be more of a look that you see given their personnel. They are loaded at outside linebacker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that being said, it's also you look at that outside linebacker room. If in fact Zico Holmes comes back for a seventh year, probably time for Jared Beatty to make that step. We've seen him physically get like you, you need some of those guys that you've recruited at that position. We think recruited well to at least be ready to be those rotation guys. And like we just hadn't seen Obviously, it was kind of early in their process and where you were on the depth chart and, and the talent you had there. But one of those guys, I think, needs to probably step forward and be be able to be in that rotation. Yeah, but if you got Coleman, Holmes, Bryant, Ackes, and Daniel Brown, that's a pretty good top five. It is. That might it be is. to crack that. But yeah, Beatty, just, it's a health thing. Then you got Moragan, Calvin Smith. I, I was really high on Calvin Smith as an edge rusher coming in. He got in. a lot of snaps. He got, for a freshman, he got some snaps too. Joe Barna, Josiah Knight, like, they got talent there. They got they a lot of talent there. Not a lot of depth on the defensive line right now. Though they're adding it. Um, I do like this freshman class. Any last thoughts, Joey? This went a little bit longer than I thought, but it was good talking football. It was good talking football. Um, no. Like, I at this point, I was, I was writing that depth chart up, and I was like, still two months. What was your hardest one? Like, what was the hardest part of that depth chart? <laughs> it, was the, it was the defensive line, right? Like, how do we – how do we list yeah. the defensive line? Like, do we list Gabe Backus as a defensive lineman? Do we only put two defensive line? Like, this was a conversation we were kind of having. Do we only put two defensive linemen uh, on this depth chart, like two spots? Because I do think that can be the scheme change. Yeah, that was a tough one. Also, just defensive backs. Yeah. Like, corners. Again, cor- like, I feel good about the Matthew Bailey spot. I feel okay about the Miles Scott spot. I think that has got some potential if Demetrius Hill can do that. If Mac Resetich can do that, I think that could be a pretty competitive spot in the secondary. But corner, I was just like, I, I don't know. I, I don't – Toby's a starter. I don't know who the other – there's like four guys competing for the other one as it's constructed. Yeah, offensive line, we talked about that, but that was uh, interesting to put out there as well. It was well. easier once we talked it over here. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know how this was such a – like how is this such a conversation a week ago when we were building this thing? All right, Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy. Thank you to everybody for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the like button, subscribe. Hit the notifications bell as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Choir podcast.